1: Hey everybody, it's Dan and welcome to our Wednesday edition of the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Mary Kay Cabot, Ashley Bastock, and I are previewing training camp. We each came up with some pre-training camp questions about the Browns as they will open training camp on Wednesday in Berea. Uh, Now, Wednesday's practice is not open to the public. The first practice open to the public is on Saturday. But we will be there on Wednesday and these are some of the things we're watching. Now listen, I've been telling you, get on board. Football Insider, training camp's coming. Well, training camp is here, so now's the time cleveland.com slash browns the blue banner at the top of the page to get that newsletter delivered straight to your inbox every single day get access to exclusive stories on cleveland.com slash browns and of course become one of our text subscribers again cleveland.com slash browns the blue banner at the top of the page to get info and get signed up all right here we go our training camp preview wednesday here on the orange brown talk podcast And here we go on our training camp preview podcast. We each came up with some questions about training camp. So let's get right to it. Ashley, kick us off. Give us
0: your first question. You said it was an obvious one. So I want to hear I that. think so. I think it's like the most, or I shouldn't say obvious, but I think it's maybe the most frequently asked questions in regards to uh, Brown's training camp this year. And I think it's just how are they going to split up the quarterback rep- reps? And honestly, I don't know if I have an answer for this right now, especially because we don't have a definitive definitive decision on Deshaun Watson. But um, I think until that decision happens, and then obviously after that decision happens, it's just all eyes are kind of on how they go about this quarterback situation, because obviously you need to get Jacoby Brissett prepped if Deshaun Watson is suspended in the early portion of the season. But you also still need to get Deshaun Watson more familiar with this new team he's on. So I think that's like the number one thing everyone is curious about and is going to be watching for.
2: You know, I I was going to say, you know, I think going into it, they actually are going to have a a plan of what they're going to do. And then they'll be ready to pivot. Here we are taping this the day before camp opens uh, so this is tuesday we'll be out there on wednesday for the first day of practice Closed to the public for the first three days uh, but i think that they they have an idea in their mind going into it of just exactly how they want to split up these reps and i think that is based on the assumption that deshaun watson will be suspended for somewhere in the neighborhood of six to eight games every time i talk to somebody Everybody that I talked to, though, is somehow connected with Deshaun Watson's side. So I must qualify it in that way. But everybody that I talked to seems to believe that he will be back on the field this season, possibly for the second half of the season. So I think that is how they're going to proceed, that they've got to get Deshaun enough reps to come back and try to get this football team to the playoffs down the stretch, but also enough for Jacoby that he can keep them in the hunt in the first half of the season.
1: Yeah, it, that was the thing I was thinking, Mary Kay, like even if they don't have a decision by Wednesday, which it certainly at this point doesn't seem is going to happen, they have to assume there's going to be some kind of suspension, even if, even if it's only four games, they have mm-hmm. to go into this assuming that like, you know, Jacoby Brissett's going to start a significant chunk of games to start the season. So you've got to get him ready to go. But Ashley's right. I mean, this isn't Deshaun Watson coming back and playing for the Browns that he's played for for the first five years of his career. This is him also getting used to a new team and a new system and a new coach, new cadences, all of that. So, um, you know, for most starting quarterbacks who've been around for like Aaron Rodgers, doesn't need training camp that much. He'll figure it out. He's, he's been with, he's been there forever. He's been with his head coach and play caller forever. That's not the case with Deshaun.
2: Yeah. You know what? I'll tell you what, that is so absolutely vitally true in this whole situation that Deshaun Watson, uh, he's now he's banked a lot of reps in the off season he's banked a lot of reps over the spring which is really going to help him but he still does need to get ready he needs to get that timing down now in the event that camp starts and they go into it and they do a certain thing for the first four days and then they find out that they're surprised and shocked that uh, Deshaun is going to be out for the entire season nobody's expecting that right now but then obviously that changes the game drastically everything goes to Jacoby at that point uh but I, I do think that they're, they're going to proceed with splitting it up I think you kind of have to go uh Jacoby with the first team reps I, I sort of think you have to do that but you have to get Deshaun time uh with the starters because that's obviously what he's going to be doing now in reading over the uh, the policy and the discipline plan uh he he should be able to come back and be with the team. You guys may have seen this in some things that I've written over the past couple of, of weeks or whatever. That he should be able to come back midway through his suspension, participate in limited activities, and reacclimate to the football team. So he, you know, he could be back after say he's out six weeks. He could be back in three weeks. I also think it's important to note while he's out, he knows the plays, he has the playbook, and somehow, some way, he will be working with people, with receivers uh on the browns offense and you know he's going to be staying in the game mentally and physically the whole time that he's out
1: yeah ashley i mean they have they have the ipads he's going to have access to practice film he's going to have access to all of that stuff um but it's just he's not going to be around the team which hurts you here's a bonus question though to tack on to your question deshaun watson probably wouldn't play much in the preseason in normal circumstances Does he need to play in the preseason now? Like, should he start like all three preseason games and, and bank like, I don't know, three or four preseason quarters?
0: I don't know if I would start him all three, because again, like I'm like what Mary Kay was saying, I do think you need to get Jacoby Brissett if assuming he's going to be starting any games for you in the early portion of the season. You do, I think, still need to get him out there in that environment. But I think you still need to get Deshaun Watson out there, too. Um, So maybe like one game, not all three, I don't think, but you definitely, I think, need to have him start at least one, in my opinion. Mary Kay, would you put him out there?
1: You know, it's it's, it's
2: a very interesting and fascinating question. And it's also uh, somewhat of a dilemma. I actually don't think I would put him out there. I think I would put him in bubble wrap for those games Mm -hmm. because, right, if you know he can come back for the last eight or nine games of the season, the absolute last thing that you need happening is for him. To tear an ACL or an Achilles or something in a completely meaningless game when he's not even going to be around. He's an accomplished enough quarterback and he did bank enough reps with his starters and with his guys in the offseason that I don't need think you need to necessarily expose him uh to guys that are out there trying to make a name for themselves for themselves and try to make these football teams. And what a better way to do that than by sacking. Uh, Deshaun Watson, or whatever the case may be, and now, it, right? I mean, we don't even know if yeah. Jack Conklin's going to be playing in some of these games, so I, I don't think I would do it.
0: That's fair too, and I mean, I think that's always kind of the risk with these preseason games, you know. And and I know that's why some people were were glad to see that fourth one removed because it's just less of a, uh, you know, a chance of something like that happening. And I mean, I do think it's important to know too that he. Deshaun Watson has torn his ACL twice, once in college and then once in the NFL. And that that injury happened on a non-contact play in practice, I believe, when he was in Houston. So definitely is, I think, you know, always kind of an area for concern. But I guess to get back to Dan's question, I definitely don't think there's a need. The one thing we can all agree on is to start him in all of those preseason games.
1: Okay, Uh, so my question this is, this is right in Mary Kay's wheelhouse. This is a topic that, that Mary Kay loves to talk about. We love to throw it at Mary Kay because it, it involves one of her one of her favorite players, one of the most fascinating players to her, and one that I think a few of us have, have been a little cynical of. Uh, so we can probably figure out who I'm talking about. Uh, also, Mary Kay wrote about this player the other day, so make sure you check that out at cleveland.com slash Browns. But the reason I brought this up is I, I did a Browns initial 53-man roster. And I, I was actually a little bit surprised by this. So as I'm putting it together with the running backs and the receivers, I I put Anthony Schwartz on, right? It was, I, I had gone into it like, of course, Anthony Schwartz is going to be on the roster. There was no way I wasn't going to put him on the roster. But I it was actually surprisingly close considering, he, now look, he's a third round pick. We know all of that. But it was surprisingly close when I started to add receivers that were like, well, you got to have this guy. You got to have this guy. You know, I, I include Demetric Felton in that list. My receivers were David Bell, Amari Cooper, Dimitri Felton, Jakeem Grant, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and Anthony Schwartz. Schwartz was kind of the last one. I, I mean, Mary Kay, it's it's like a 99% chance he's on the roster, I would think. Mm-hmm. But is there a chance that Schwartz could be on the bubble if he doesn't have a strong camp?
2: You know, I'm going to say no. I really don't think that that they would be anywhere – Near ready to give up any such a high pick, a third round pick uh, before he has an opportunity to show what he can do. And if anybody, if you get a chance to read uh, the story that I wrote about Anthony, it really was all about the star crossed rookie season that he had. It started off very poorly uh, with a pulled hamstring in uh, rookie minicamp. And then it just kind of unraveled from there. As we know, he had a very promising debut against the Kansas city chiefs caught a 44 yard pass that led to a score. He was involved in three big plays on each of the first three drives that had the Browns up 22 to 10 and the chiefs on the ropes. He was a big reason for that. Uh, So I think in the same way that Baker Mayfield's injury really hurt him for the rest of the season. I think that incident really detracted from and hurt Anthony Schwartz for the rest of the season both from a mental standpoint and from the notion that Baker Mayfield just didn't really look to him much anymore after that, I did all the, you know, the, the looking back at it and Baker never targeted him more than twice in a football game. After that, the whole rest of the season, I think that's very significant. It's why Anthony shorts only ended up with 10 catches last season, 10 catches, 135 yards, one touchdown. I don't think Baker trusted him. I don't think Baker felt confident in going to him. And some of that was of Anthony Schwartz's doing, and he will be the first to tell you that. Uh, but he did mention that just when he started to get his sea legs back after all of that, uh, that is when he suffered a pretty darn serious concussion that kept him out for three solid games over the span of a month, including the bye week. After that, he said he never felt the same. He never felt the same after he did heading into that concussion. So I think it's time to give Anthony Schwartz a chance to see what he can do. Now, I have a special place in my heart for Anthony Schwartz, (laughs) as you guys know, because I I thought I saw some things in him last year that led me to believe he could be a five touchdown a year guy. You guys are never going to let me off the hook with my eight for David and my five for Anthony. So, you know, I pull for these guys when I throw something like, but there, we will like let you
1: there. take your victory laps when you're right. Yeah.
2: Okay. Well, we'll see about that. But, um, but anyway, so I, I do think that Anthony Schwartz uh, has that kind of capability, whether on returns, sweeps, reverses, red zone, deep, you know, go ball, but really that's predicated on Deshaun Watson being the quarterback. I don't I think he needs a really good quarterback to kind of guide him and lead him and help him out and get get the ball in the right place on the field on his body and whatnot. So I still think he is capable of, of that kind of production. I don't know if it will come this season, because like I said, he's got a lot to overcome. That was a tumultuous rookie year.
1: So let, let me expand a little bit just kind of on, on how I got to this. So obviously, you, you know, Amari Cooper, Donovan Peoples-Jones, and David Bell are your starters. And this all changes, right, if somebody gets hurt or, or something like that. But those three have to be on the roster. Jakeem Grant has to be on the roster. He's They signed him to be on this roster. Uh, and, and they were going to use him. See, this is the issue for Schwartz. I think Grant was going to do a lot of the things maybe he could do as well before he got hurt in the spring. So then you're talking about whatever you want to call Felton. You know, you've got to make a decision on Michael Woods, who is a draft pick. You've got to make a decision on Dearness Johnson. That's just sort of where it gets a little tight when you put together a roster. Now, I kept 10 offensive linemen, which is pretty standard. That's sort of what they've done the last two years. Um, that's two extra tackles, two extra guards. I, I guess they could get a little cute there. Um, but it just sort of surprised me like, there are sort of four guys between Dearness Johnson, maybe Demetric Felton, Michael Woods, and Anthony Schwartz, where it's like you might only be able to get two, maybe three of those guys on the roster. Um, and again, I think Schwartz would get on there because he's a third-round pick, because they love that speed, and because of the stuff Mary Kay said about last year. We just never got to see him. But Ashley, I, I was just surprised how tough it was to actually squeeze him on. And maybe God. that's just because I like Dearness Johnson too much.
0: <laughs> maybe and that's actually dearness is a part of my next question I have when we get to that but um, yeah you know I think that kind of goes to what I've been saying about this wide receiver room like we for as much as we talk about their they feel like they're missing that true veteran number two guy for if something happened to Amari Cooper like that depth chart got kind of crowded pretty fast but you know, I am with Mary Kay. Like I think, just given that he was a high draft pick, even though we may sometimes not Mary Kay, um, we Dan and I be cynical about Anthony Schwartz. Like I don't know that the Browns are actually cynical about him. Like I think the things that we know they like about him, uh, they do maybe think they can still find a a use for him. Now I don't think still that he's the guy. Um, we talked about these, you know, maybe one of these younger guys really having a chance to pop and differentiate themselves throughout the course of the season. Like if you would ask me to pick in that regard, like I still think he's maybe not the guy that does that. Like it's probably David Bell or or it's Donovan. But um, I do think he's still on this roster. I'm not surprised, though, how quickly it got crowded for you, Dan, because I think that depth chart, that part of the depth chart is really, really crowded, even without that true blue veteran uh, backup wide receiver that we've been talking about that we still feel like they might need.
2: Now, Dan, I actually think that you're trolling me.
1: with <laughs> <laughs> I promise. I promise I'm not. Like, I went into it like, you know, my whole thing was this is just going to be a default roster, right? Like, uh-huh. I, I was just surprised. Like, when I went through the receivers, I'm like, wait a second, I'm already five in and I haven't put Anthony Schwartz on here yet. What's going? I, I need to obviously put him on here. Like, I knew he needed to be on there. Cause like I said, I, I would say 99% he's going to make the team just his draft status and what they like about him. But like, I was just surprised. I, I was surprised because we've talked about receiver and how thin it kind of is, but there are some numbers there and you'd have to, like I said, you'd have to maybe put Michael Woods on the practice squad or, you know, what happens if like Isaiah, Isaiah Western or Mike Harley just absolutely lights it up? You know, I think that's, I don't think an undrafted guy is going to push Schwartz off the roster, but I I was just surprised how tight it was, which is why I asked the question. And also. Yeah.
2: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think those are all valid, really, really valid points. I really do believe that. And the truth of the matter is, is that Anthony Schwartz has to prove it this year. I mean, when you're in your second season and you're a third round pick, you have to show that you have what it takes. And I do think that he needs to step it up from a work ethic standpoint. Now we know that he uh, is a a world-class speedster and that his first love is probably, uh, you know, sprinting and track and all those kinds of things. Uh, You know, he needs to go out there and show that he absolutely loves the game of football and that he lives, breathes, drinks, eats football, and that he's going to do whatever it takes. We used to see what kinds of things Jarvis Lander used to do. Uh, to be as good as he was. And that's exactly what Anthony Schwartz needs to do. Now, he did learn some of that from Jarvis. They worked out together down at House of Athlete in Florida. Uh, Jarvis became a mentor. And and Anthony Schwartz really started working hard last offseason based on the example that Jarvis set for him. And then Odell picked up from there and also mentored him and took him under his wing a little bit. So now he's got to do what those guys do to be great. You don't become a pro bowler by accident. And if he does want to get on the football field, uh, he, he's going to have to show a level of commitment uh, that that is 20% greater than he even can imagine.
1: Okay, let's move on. Mary Kay, what is your first question?
2: Well, my first question is uh, one that I think a lot of people have on their mind. And that is, it's about Kevin Stefanski. And the question is, you know, is Kevin Stefanski sort of up to the task of coaching an explosive offense, an elite quarterback by like Deshaun Watson, and bringing this passing game up to 2022 standards like some of the passing games that we watched throughout the season and in the playoffs last year? You guys go.
1: I like this question. I, yeah. I think it's. It, it's not like uh is Kevin Stefanski going to be on the hot seat question, but it's like, okay, we're going into year three. You've got your quarterback. You, you've got this, you know, you were an offensive genius two years ago, last year, everybody kind of gave you a pass because of the quarterback situation and, you know, okay. Now sort of like with Anthony Schwartz right now, let's see it, you know, show us what you've got. So um it, yeah, I, I think that's huge. I, you know, I don't know how much we're going to see of that in camp, But I think it's a really interesting thing to keep an eye on. Do we see more, how often do we see tight ends on the field? Like this is the only time we get to see full practices every day. So we're going to kind of get an idea of what this offense is going to look like uh, before we get to games. So, yeah, Kevin's kind of a central figure here, maybe more so than even last year when everybody felt really good about him. And I, I still think people feel good about him. But, yeah, this is sort of, all right you know, let's do this. You've got everything you need. Let's do this.
0: I still kind of fall back on, like, I definitely think he is. And we talk about it a lot. We've talked about it a lot. I think before when Baker Mayfield was still on this team. Um, But I do think Kevin Stefanski is capable of adapting. Like, you know, we talk about these guys, like they're smart Ivy league guys. They, they, I think are getting a chance to spread their wings this year, given the talent that's on the field in a way that, they maybe haven't been before. And I think with Kevin Stefanski, you know, when the Odell stuff happened, and then people are looking in the past and pointing to, you know, Stefan Diggs getting a little disgruntled when Kevin was out in Minnesota. Um, but I just think overall he has not had all the pieces like he is going to have. He receiver like Amari Cooper with a quarterback like Deshaun Watson uh, to get a chance to show that he can make this more explosive and he's not just the 13 personnel guy who's going to load up the field with tight ends and a run heavy offense too Um, but I do think you know it is going to be interesting to see what those snaps look like and and everything because obviously they do have one of the best running back rooms in the NFL maybe the best running back room in the NFL but I do think Kevin Stefanski is certainly capable of adapting given the quarterback he's gonna have and it definitely is a big year for him it's not a for sure thing but my gut tells me he's definitely capable of it
2: you know I think we've already seen signs uh in this off season as we head here into uh training camp in the preseason we've seen signs in the off season uh, that things are going going to be different uh what was they let Austin Hooper walk out the door so Oh, there basically goes tight end sets, right? I don't think we're going to see anywhere near the third. Uh, I always call it like sort of, sort of call it their heavy offense. I think they played uh, their right. I think they played their heavy offense in large part because of the limitations of Baker Mayfield. Uh, regardless of how much those had to do with his shoulder injury or not, he was not effective last year, and they had to do things a certain way. Also, you lose your ex-receiver uh, in Odell Beckham Jr., and that shortens the field. And Anthony Schwartz, as we've talked about, wasn't really ready uh, to, you know, to get out there and really replace him to any great extent. So they kind of did things the way they had to do them last year, um, but that's not—that's really not who Kevin is. I've said this so many times before, and I and I really believe it. You cannot peg Kevin Stefanski into a corner and say, this is exactly who he is. This is exactly what he does and what he likes. Just because he did it the first two years doesn't mean you're going to do it in the next three, four, or five years. You're going to do things vastly differently when you have Baker Mayfield as your quarterback than when you have Deshaun Watson as your quarterback. Deshaun Watson, there is nothing that he can't do. There's nothing that he can't do. I mean, he can throw the ball anywhere on the field. Uh, He he's dual threat. You can run the, you know, RPOs called runs. You can, you can do anything with him. And now it is an opportunity, I think for Kevin Stefanski to show, Hey, you know what? Just because you think, you know, who I am. I don't think you do know who I am. And I also think he has had so many influences in his career, you know, Pat Shermer, North Turner guys, we, we know well here. Um, so he's learned a lot from those guys different kinds of sy- systems he's learned a lot from defensive guys from les like leslie frazier and then i do believe that he has talked to people that have coached deshaun and that he will definitely do whatever it takes to play to his strengths
1: and and i also think you know again this is like every finger in that building was pointing at baker mayfield when last season was over right like the team didn't live up to expectations. They didn't make the playoffs. And obviously Baker is no longer the quarterback. So now it's sort of like, look, we put ourselves out there, went and got Sean Watson, took the PR hit, you know, dealt with what we have to deal with, paid him $230 million. Like we can't look at this, you know, maybe, maybe it's two years from now. It just depends whenever Deshaun Watson gets on the field and say, uh, you know, this play calling is holding us back. Like that, it's huge it's important this is you know this is the quarterback now this is the guy every coach ends up getting tied to a quarterback one way or another and this is the quarterback that you know he's he's finally got the quarterback and now he's got to do something with it
2: yeah i think it's important to note too that um you know baker mayfield left here not liking the way that kevin stefanski used him you know he walked out the door you know in part because those two were incompatible in terms of coach quarterback. I don't know if Kevin Stefanski ever saw it that way, but I know Baker did. Um, so therefore, you know, even though that might not have been warranted in any way, shape, or form, I still do think that if, uh, you know, if you have if, if a player like that, if your quarterback didn't like working with you, you do have to ask around. You do have to look in the mirror and and you do have to get somebody to tell you the truth. Uh, You know, you do need to, you know, somehow do an after action report and say, was there something I didn't do? Is there something else I can be doing or I should be doing? So I think that he really needs to do all that too.
1: Okay. Let's take a break. When we come back, we've got a few more questions here to get you ready for training camp. And we are back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. I did not do my homework. I only (laughs) had one question, but luckily Mary Kay and Ashley did their homework. (laughs) They each have another question for us. So Ashley, once again, lead us off here.
0: Well, did you guys know I was a perfectionist in school? Like, does that surprise either of you? I'm starting to pick up on it just a little. Like, I cannot tell you when I got a B. I don't know. I don't think I ever got a B in school. Maybe in like first or second grade, but I know joke always had straight A's. Anyways, I'm getting my A for the day on the Orange and Brown Talk Pod because yes, I do indeed have a second question, and I'm going to amend it a little bit after Dan. Uh, you made some, talked about these two guys a little bit earlier, talking about the 53-man roster, but I I won't phrase it as a true and false question, but just kind of open-ended. Do we think that both Demetric Felton and Dearness Johnson will be on the Browns roster week one? I'm gonna. I'm gonna...
2: Oh, you go ahead.
0: Okay. okay. I'm going to say true.
1: Mm-hmm. I th- I think they will be. Um, I think Demetrius Felton is kind of the easy one. And again, mm-hmm. I think, I think we're going to see him mostly as a receiver. Um, but I, I think, and I actually thought he had a good spring. He made some plays in the spring. Um, so I think he's on. And there's just, there's something about Dearness. Like last year, it just felt like, okay, the Dearness Johnson thing was great, but they drafted Felton and there's just not room for him. And he was just so good in camp and so good in the preseason. Like, they they just could not cut him. And he just makes it really difficult to cut. And I think we're going to run into that again with him. And I think there's room for both. Um, and like I said, you might have to squeeze a little bit here and there, maybe make some sacrifices someplace else. But I do. I, I think they can both make this roster. I'm going to say true.
2: Okay, now before we get started on that, you are not the only little Miss Goody Two-Shoes <laughs> student on this pod, okay? I was the little straight-A student myself.
0: Oh, no, I, there's two of us. I,
2: I sat in the front of the class, raised my hand at all times, knew the answers, graduated with a 3.9 from Kent State University's Honor College. I didn't, College. Even know, I
1: didn't even know it went that high.
2: <laughs> and uh, was on the mortar board and other various things like that. And yes, I did get a B, as you can attest by my uh, three point nine. And it was, I am sorry to say, in racquetball. It was. In oh
0: my gosh! <laughs> and I was what? so mad.
2: I was so mad about that because. And if you're out there, Mr. Racquetball teacher that I had at Kent State University, I walked into uh, the gym class, never having played racquetball before. And I went to every single class and I listened and I walked out of the class being able to actually play racquetball and I can still play racquetball. So I really don't know exactly what he was looking for, but um, yeah, he screwed up my grade point average there. And, um, but yeah, that was my, that was my B. I mean, there might've been maybe another one somewhere along the line, but okay. I'm so, going to and- counter
1: that with a quick story of my own here.
2: <laughs> Please do.
1: So I had to do a foreign language requirement. I had to do four semesters of a foreign language. I, I got an English degree. Okay. So I had to do four oh semesters of a foreign language and foreign languages. And I, I, I just don't get along with them when it comes to, I don't know. It's that, that part of my brain, it just doesn't fire on all cylinders. So sometimes I struggle in that department and, uh, I I took four semesters of French. By the last semester, it was literally just, I'm grinding through this, just trying to meet this requirement. And a friend of mine and I, we, we had one last test. We walk up to the professor at the end of the, you know, after she had graded the tests and everything, and just to check to make sure we were okay, we said, well, how did we do on this test? And she looked at both of us and said, well, I'm sorry, guys, you both got Ds. And it was the happiest news we could have gotten. <laughs> oh, my God. She, she thought she was delivering bad news. We thought it was great news because all we needed to do was pass this final test. Oh. And we
0: passed by the skin of our teeth. So and that... Go ahead, Mary Kay. No, sorry. Go,
2: no, you go. And oh, yes, no. Yes. I was
0: going to tell my quick school anecdote yes. now. So, no. John Carroll, which, Mary Kay, I know you are familiar with Jesuit education, like and curriculum and things like that. Uh, yes. So I had to take three philosophy classes in college and two religion classes and the philosophy classes i took the professor i took for my intro to philosophy class i took for all three of them because He was just the most like fascinating person I'd ever met. He was like a professional soccer player before he became a teacher and then got a doctorate at Tulane in philosophy and now like taught at John Carroll. Um, And every single one of his classes was only out of 100 total points. So like you would take quizzes for five points and tests for 10 and he would grade on a decimal system. So I would routinely get like 9.8, 9.7, 9.5. And I'm like, I just want a perfect score on one of these tests so I can say I did it on my last test in my last class I took with him it was like a philosophy of sports class fittingly he gave me a 10 out of 10 and wrote like a smiley face on there so he knew that it was killing me and was just saving it I'm convinced so Dr. Delandu, if you're an Orange and Brown Talk listener, <laughs> thank you for, for finally appeasing me in that last class.
2: Yeah, see, he, he was trolling you with those. Yes. And, and what I was going to say about Dan's little story with the D... See, that would have put Ashley and I in a catatonic state. Yes. Oh, my (laughs) God. I would
0: have cried.
2: Oh, we would have been a wreck. You watch
0: Gilmore Girls, Mary Kay. Like, it's when Rory gets a D and she's like, (laughs) I got a D. I got a D. And she's walking around. She's so sad. That would have been us.
2: Oh, absolutely. 100%. And we're still trying to get those A's, right?
1: Yeah.
0: It's like a, it's like
1: an ugly win on the football field. Like it might not be pretty. It's like a 12 to nine win in overtime. It might not be pretty, but it's still a win. And that's all you're trying to do is score more points than the other team. So back to the original topic, yeah. which was Mary okay. Kay. Do Demetrius so, Felton and Dearness Johnson both make this roster?
2: I'm going to say yes. Unequivocally yes, actually. Um, because... Uh, you don't really have to count Demetric Felton, not that you're locked into numbers at a certain position, but you don't really have to count him as a running back. He's a hybrid player. He's a specialist. I mean, if you really were down to the nitty gritty and you had to put somebody in a box, you could put him over there with special teams. So, um, you know, so I, I think they will both make this roster. And um, I also think that they're looking at the running back position in terms of the fact that Kareem Hunt's contract is up after this season, uh, Dearness Johnson's contract is up after this season. And so they're kind of restocking for down the road. And that's why they have uh, a Demetrik Felton. That's why they have a Jerome Ford. Uh, so I actually think that all those guys can make the roster. And like you said before, you know, they can mess around with the practice squads a little bit after the initial 53s. Um, and so, yeah, I think that will happen. The only thing that I keep uh, saying, and I don't think it's like super highly likely, but knowing that DeErnest is in the last year of his contract, knowing that you do have a, a couple of guys coming up behind him down the pipe, uh, depending on how they look in training camp and preseason games, if somebody came after Dearest Johnson, knowing that he can go out and rush for 100 yards for you, you know, maybe they would be open to trading him. But you know, it's not front of burner, not front burner, not something they're really looking to do right now. but you know, that wouldn't be one that would I wouldn't be shocked about that.
0: Yeah. So that was kind of why I asked the question, like more so not, I should have phrased it differently, but my, when I first started thinking about it before I added to into there is, is, has the Ernest Johnson like differentiated himself to the point that he is an attractive trade target for maybe mm-hmm. a team who really needs a running back who gets into camp. And they're like, Hey, you know what? We just don't have it in this room. What about this guy who uh, is just not going to get the reps in Cleveland that we can offer him here. Uh, and if they put together a nice package for him, like who knows? Uh, but I do hope they're both on the roster, quite honestly. And I think, I think it's certainly possible. Um, I do did kind of wonder if a possible trade involving Dearness is the only sort of hang up there.
1: I, you know, there is a scenario where August 30th rolls around and it's 3 PM. We're waiting for the final roster to come out and the Browns trade Dearness for like a fifth round pick or something. I. I, you know, I could, I think that could be a realistic scenario, but I, I think initially they probably both make the roster, but yeah, I, I think that's more to what the thing to watch for than whether they would cut Ernest or, or cut Demetric Felton. Uh, okay. Mary Kay, what's your second question?
2: You know, this is very broad and very basic, but, but I think it's worth throwing out there. Um, don't laugh at me. Are the Browns making the playoffs this year?
1: Said, i saw a left. projection today i wish i i wish i could remember who it was from they had them going like six and eleven Ooh. Wow. which even if jacoby percent started every game i don't think i would pick them to go six and eleven but i would maybe think they wouldn't make the playoffs this is a tough one
2: yeah and you know what the, without I'm knowing just
1: throwing... suspension it's really yeah. Tough. yeah
2: i mean i'm just throwing it out there Either way, like, are they making it? Are they making the playoffs regardless of what happens? If he's out for four games, eight games, the whole entire season, are the Cleveland Browns making the playoffs uh, this season? I know it's hard to answer right now, but part of the reason why I'm asking is, you know, I, I want your guys' thoughts. I mean, are they a playoff team with Jacoby Brissett, you know, in, in the event that Deshaun is out more than we think he might be.
0: So I think that was one of our FAQs, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. I feel like this is a, this is a, I'm having deja vu in terms <laughs> of our conversation a little bit. So from what I remember, what I think I said was that I do think they have the capability to be a playoff team, even if Deshaun Watson is suspended for the entire year. Like, obviously because of all the things we talk about, right? If the defense is healthy and and kind of builds on 2021, the offensive line, if, if the tackles are healthy, the running back room, if you get Amari Cooper, some of these receivers to make big plays for you, David Njoku to step up. In a perfect world, I think they are. But I do think like when you do have Jacoby Brissett, who is a game manager, who doesn't have that same kind of obviously ability exactly that Deshaun Watson has, um, I think there's a scenario maybe where, they need some help to get into the playoffs if Deshaun Watson was out for a whole year, right? Like that they're not in full control of their own destiny on paper they are a playoff team, but it's that for me. And it's, it's the fact of just actually going out there and doing it. Like we talk all the time, like this team just feels like, they they haven't done anything yet in terms of their larger goals. And they feel that it feels like they know that, right? Like that's why you have guys showing up as much as they did in the voluntary portion of the off season this year. Um, so those to me are like the two biggest hangups. Like, is it a scenario where they're not fully in control of their own destiny? Um, and, and can they actually get there versus what we see on paper? Can they do it physically when we get to that point? Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So I, I know we're not supposed to play the if game, but I think, I think a four game suspension, they make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I think 13 games of Deshaun Watson gets them to the playoffs. I think an eight game suspension. And this kind of messes up the math because of the 17 games, like they should do like an eight and a half game suspension. So she gets <laughs> to come back in the second half of the eighth game. Um, I, I think an eight game suspension, they won't make it. Mm. I, cause I'm, I'm actually doing this kind of on the fly. I'm just looking at, teams in the afc and obviously look you know kevin stefanski hammered this home all all year last year like they told the guys there's usually a certain number of teams that made the playoffs the year before that don't do it so so you know injuries there's a lot of factors but like okay buffalo is a playoff team right uh cincinnati is a playoff team the afc south has to have a playoff team it's probably either tennessee or indianapolis and then are three teams from the West going to get in? I, I mean, I think it's in play. So I've already talked myself into six playoff teams.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I haven't even counted like Baltimore. Like I think I think Baltimore could win the North. So now maybe you've got two teams from the North. I think the AFC is so stacked that even with seven teams, and even in a league where more and more that playoff race doesn't really get started till after Thanksgiving. I think if you if you fall too far behind early and if, even if you're sitting at four and four after eight games, I think there's going to be a lot of work to do mm-hmm. to make it to the playoffs. And and I think it would be a situation where maybe there's some tiebreakers. Maybe there's like four teams that have nine wins or something. Um, but I, if the suspension's four, they're in. If it's eight, I, I think they might be in trouble.
2: Yeah, you know, I mean, just if you just look at all the amazing quarterbacks in the AFC, who's not going to the playoffs,
1: right? Uh, Well, and then, like, what if Miami's good? Yeah, Miami (laughs) could be good. There's so many what-if teams. And again, you know, somebody's going to take, maybe Cincinnati takes a step back and doesn't make the playoffs this year for whatever reason, right? Like, there's going to be some team that we think is going to be awesome, and for whatever reason, they're going to stink, but. There's also going to be a team like a Miami or somebody like that who's just comes out of nowhere and surprises everybody.
2: Yeah. Or, I mean, even the Patriots, like we, you know, Mac Jones and the Patriots, they don't get, you know, the respect because he's he's not that marquee name. But if he is better this year and they are better as a football team, you can't count them out either. You know what I mean? So, you know, who is not, you look at this whole lineup Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, um, you know, Matt Ryan. Right. This year, you know, they added two more really good quarterbacks to the AFC, you know, Lamar, Justin, Patrick, Deshaun, uh, some really, really good, amazing quarterbacks are not going to make it. They are not going to make it. And I know it's not just the quarterback, but a lot of it does come down to that when you get into the final four games of the season. And you get into the playoffs, so um, that's interesting, Dan. That you've got it. the The cutoff point for you is about eight. I still think if Deshaun is suspended for eight games, hmm, that's a tough one.
1: And, and you've got to think about right. The schedule is a lot tougher in those last eight games, too. Yes, I
2: mean. it is. It is. It is. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. But I'm I'm still going to say that if he is suspended for half the season that they will make the playoffs. I'm I'm gonna say yes, because I think Jacoby with the strength of this football team and the soft schedule in the early going, I think he can win more than two or three games. I think he can win four games. I think he can win four games. And then and then Deshaun would have to win, you know, whatever, six games, something like that. It's yeah, not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy.
1: And and there are some games in that second half that they, like, you know, they play the Texans, they've got the Saints, they've got the Commanders. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we'll see what the Steelers are. I mean, the Saints could have a really good defense again. Uh, you know, who knows? <laughs> they also have the Bills, Bucks, Dolphins, Ravens, and Bengals in that stretch. So it's mm-hmm. – I uh, there's so many good teams in the AFC. I think that's the problem. I think it's this numbers yeah. game where I think it, this could just be a year where if yeah. you fall behind early, it's well, going to be tough.
0: And the division games aren't backloaded this year the same way they were last year. Like it's pretty even. So he could miss easily half of those division games if it's a, you know, a half year suspension just to keep along the playing the schedule game.
1: And and I'm putting a little pin in a lot of this Lamar Jackson slander that's been going around. I feel like there's a lot of Lamar Jackson bulletin board material. Like there was that piece in the athletic of the, of the quarterback tears there. He doesn't have a contract. It it just feels like this could be like a Lamar Jackson is, is out to prove everybody wrong. You know, he just lost Hollywood Brown. They traded Hollywood Brown and Mm -hmm. he just, you know, it could go the other way, but I, I just have a feeling like this could be a year where Lamar is like, Hey, I was like the youngest MVP in NFL history, guys. Let's not, let's not forget about me.
2: Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's wow. I mean, sitting here with training camps opening and talking about all of these amazing quarterbacks, uh, it's really going to be interesting to see how, you know, how this all plays out, who comes back to the pack. How does Patrick Mahomes play, you know, this season without Tyreek Hill? How does Tua play with Tyreek Hill? How do the bills come back from their heartbreaking loss? How do the brown? I mean, there's just so many storylines. Joe Burrow is having his appendix out.
1: right? <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: <laughs> you know Lamar doesn't have a kind. Con- there's just so many storylines. I mean, wow, it all gets rolling now.
1: And of course, the biggest one is the one we're still waiting on: mm-hmm. uh, the the decision on Deshaun Watson, the appeal, the trial, the 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 when they sue the league after the decision is made, this could go on for months and months. Oh yeah. (laughs) All right.
2: We're ready for it.
1: Well, it all starts today here. When you're listening to this, uh, Browns training camp kicking off on Wednesday, their first practice. Their first practice open to the public will be on Saturday. And we're going to have pods coming to you. Our schedule changes, as you all know, kind of in training camp, like the last few years. We try and record after practice every day. So we'll have those daily pods coming. It'll just be on a little bit of a different schedule based on uh, when the Browns practice. So just make sure you're subscribed on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. uh, And that'll pop up right on your phone as soon as we hit publish. And of course, If you're not a Football Insider subscriber, you've waited long enough. you got to do it now. It's training camp time. Cleveland.com slash Browns. The blue banner at the top of the page. Mary Kay and Ashley, I will talk to you both later.